Hello and welcome to According to John. Today, today I have a special guest that I am excited to have on According to John. And uh, this is John Lyles, who is a missionary to Italy. And um, uh, actually, it, for, your, for your Italian friends, it's Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can't say... Yeah, the word John traditionally would be just translated into Italian, Giovanni. So they don't want to call me that. So it's just easier, more clear just to call me Jonathan. So they actually say Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jonathan, I'm so excited that you are here. Uh, hey, guys, I think you're going to enjoy this uh, missionary to Italy. And we're just going to kind of look at his life a little bit, what it's like to be a missionary, uh, what his field looks like, and um, uh, how God has moved him. And we just hope it's a benefit to you as well. And because uh, God may be working on you to step out of your comfort zone and uh, move somewhere to share Jesus. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We love you, Father. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I just pray your hand upon this podcast, Father, that uh, you would be glorified, that we would have clarity of speech, clarity of hearing, and uh, Father, that we would learn something new and have some fun. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so you have been in Italy for how long? Um, we first moved there in 2007. We finally actually landed there in 2008. So okay, that many years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So why Italy? Yeah, well, Italy, uh, you know, traditionally when you're a missionary, you think about going to places all over the world that would be far away, exotic, or uh, very different from our own culture. And, and that was kind of my early experience in missions. Um, but as we began to pray about where to go serve the Lord as missionaries in the world, um, there were a lot of things that kind of brought us to a point um, where we just decided, let's pray about the whole world, not just one little place that we might want to go to or one little pocket that we've always heard about. Or let's pray for the whole world. We'll start there. So right. we were praying for the whole world. Yeah, because the, the, the truth is, man, now, I didn't go to another country. It, sometimes New York feels like another country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, there's a process to this, man, and you really need God's hand on you yeah. to, to land where you land. Right. Yeah. So, you know, for us, it started um, when I was young. I went on my first mission trip at 16 years old uh, to Bogota, Colombia. And uh, in Bogota, Colombia, I visited with some dear friends of ours, of our family. He had invited me there. And the, the whole trip was to see, is this maybe something right. God might want me to do for the rest of my life? So, right. you know, I'm 16 years old, flying to Bogota, Colombia by myself, right. and I show up. <laughs> so, and and the, que the real question is, why did your dad let you go by yourself? <laughs> I've asked that one for years, like, why in the world would my parents let me get on an airplane? Right. I had a passport before I had a driver's license. Right. So yeah. They're I like, they're like get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I would not have been able to legally drive if I needed to there, but I could fly there. Right. So, right. so I went on my first missions trip, and that's where I met uh, the Lingo family, and it was an amazing time. Amazing oh, okay. Summer. So, uh, Dave, his brother Craig and Fran Lingo, and they had a son named Adam. Uh, gotcha. And we bumped into each other there for that first summer. Gotcha. So, but I and I shared this last night, but you know, uh, it was funny because when I got there, the youth group was kind of waiting to meet with me and. Uh, as I walked up to them, the girls started greeting me. They had these beautiful little Colombian girls started walking up, kissing me. <laughs> You're I, like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, Lord, I surrender. 
I said, that, that was my moment of clarity. I realized that I was called to be missionary. Right. <laughs> I'm just joking. But um, anyway, so that's kind of where it all started for me. And then um, Italy, though, came about, um, you know, in college, I had a severe head injury. I was diagnosed with glaucoma. And at that time, didn't really know what to do with that. I knew God had called me to be a missionary, and my heart was to go anywhere in the world he wanted me to go. But my doctor was using words like multiple surgeries and uh, medicine for the rest of your life. That's scary. Yeah. Cause, well, because now it's the unknown. Right. So I'm 20 years old, and before we even hit the mission field, usually the unknown comes once you get there. Right, right. right. But before we even hit the field, it's, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with this diagnosis of glaucoma at 20 years old? Right. And, you know, we joked about it. I told my wife, Becky, uh, at the time we were engaged and said, hey, I've got a serious disease. I could lose my sight by the time I'm 30. Are you sure you still want to marry me? You yeah. know, and she said, oh, you know, you could die a number of ways. You, <laughs> you get hit by a bus. A bus. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that. but uh, Becky's awesome, dude, because yeah. she's just black and white. Here it is. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess that's, that, that's what, what I heard I her say that. that day was, I love you. Let's get married. You know, I don't think that's what she was saying. That's what I you can get hit by a bus. I'll collect insurance. I love you. Let's get married. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So I, what do you do with that? You know? And so we just started praying about developed areas of the world where we knew there would be medical care for something right. like glaucoma. Right. And the larger cities of the world are very needy places for the gospel. And as we prayed over Asia and Europe, God kept drawing our hearts to Europe for some reason. We even went on a survey trip to France in our early years in this discovery process. And I'll never forget the first day uh, the idea of Italy came up. And I thought, Italy? Well, that's not a mission field. You know, Italy is this beautiful place. The people are beautiful. They're educated. It's wealthy. Mm -hmm. They're literate. Mm -hmm. uh, why in the world would you ever want to go start a church in a place that already seems to have it all together right. when it comes to Christianity and right. God? So what are the statistics for Christians? Yeah. Now, not religion, right? Uh, because we know the Vatican's there. We yeah. know that's a very religious uh, uh, part of the religion. Of course, if you listen to According to John, you realize there's a massive difference between religion and relationship. Mm -hmm. So what is the uh, religious aspect of Italy? You know, when we first went there, when we were first discovering Italy back in 2005, when we started praying about all this, um, the statistics were that, that only a 0.1% of the country was evangelical, and that of the 90% that claimed to be Catholic, uh, very few of them actually went to church often and really considered themselves devout. Now those numbers are 1% evangelical and only about 70% of Italians claim to be even Roman Catholic. Wow. Well, you know, we in New York, we kind of have the same uh, issue, mm -hmm. meaning that the majority are Catholic. Mm -hmm. But what's real interesting is when I would do... Uh, conversation with them when I meet people my first question is are you uh, they'll say oh I'm Catholic okay great right. are you uh, uh, practicing or non-practicing yeah because that's that's real yes and they'll go oh no I'm not practicing right and that's real <laughs> the yes. majority yeah. are not so Italy's no different right exactly um, just because the Vatican is there just because of the center of Roman Catholicism for the whole world um, does not mean they don't experience almost the exact same thing, and they do. Uh, right. It's 
it's very different there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in 2005, you're, you're going through the process. I jump around a lot. You have to forgive me. Yo, I love so, it. So I love 2005, it. you're going through the process and you're trying to figure it out. Now you're realizing statistically, um, yeah. uh, Italy does not have it together when it comes to Jesus. No, I was shocked, especially at the younger ages, kids under 30 had really very little interest in God. Um, on for the whole part, you know, there was okay. still a percentage of Italian people that were still kind of connected to that. But for the whole, most part, people were walking away from church. So why do you think they're walking away? Well, it can get really complicated really quick answering that question. I know. It'll hurt a little bit last night, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I had uh, uh, John came into town, had him in uh, in my church, and to just share. And so some of this I already know. Yeah. Uh, but I still, I still think it's yeah. like, I mean, dude, this is real world. Yeah. And one thing about according to John is I have never shied away from the real, the real deal. Yeah. And you know, that. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. You know this. All right. So anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. What was the question? So, so the question is, why do you think the young people yeah. are running from the church? You know, honestly, in now after living there, I had my answer when we first went. But now my answer would definitely be church is the most repulsive thing to them that they could imagine being a part of. So, um, so what was your, I'm curious, what was your original answer of why they weren't going to church? Uh, my original answer would have been church is not fun enough. Church is not real to life. Church is not, you know, and we just need to go kind of make church fun. Right. And then if we'll just make church fun, kids will flock and it'll be easy. Right. You would think. You would think. And I think there have been a few models that have actually built on that in Italy. But for now that we've been there for many, many years, um, and I look back on that first idea and I look back on now, what I've realized is a lot of people there just don't want anything to do with faith and God. Mm. And so they may call themselves Catholic uh, culturally, right? but they'll also tell you they're atheists right. and that they just don't believe in God. So, oh yeah, culturally I'm Catholic because all Italians are Catholic, yeah. but the truth is I don't believe in God. Yes. And so the more those conversations you have, the more you realize, okay, this isn't about helping people clarify their faith. These people don't have faith. They don't have faith. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think after being there for so long, you yeah. said you came to the conclusion that it's not, not having fun, but now what do you think is causing them to run from the church? Well, the church in Italy in particular has uh, skirted a lot of issues under the table over the years, a lot of important issues to the Catholic people. Um, one of them is the abuse of children and how to handle that. Uh, one of them has the been... Abuse from the church. From the church. Okay. Uh, one of them has been the money and how to deal with that. The most corrupt bank in the world is the Vatican Bank, and every, every Italian knows it. Um, one of them has been... But the Vatican... Dude, the Vatican owns land in every country i mean they yeah, it's like it, interesting it is like the wealthiest of, of probably anybody to be honest i don't know i don't know about that but i do know well i mean if you look at like if you look at china largest, if you look at all these countries yeah. dude they're going bankrupt right america the, china yeah. like all the russia all these big countries germany that, that we would think is rich the, the truth is italy they're, they're all going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. The Vatican's not. No. No, there's plenty of and money And that's what I mean. That's what I mean by... Right. And so, the, you know, the Italian people have watched how the the abuse issue has not been handled, how the money has not been handled. 
Um, and I think one of the bigger issues in Italy is the marriage issue for priests and nuns. I think a lot of people that are, you know, when, when they're, when, when nuns and priests go forward in Italy, they're coming from Italian homes and families. And these people wonder why can't they be married? Right. Why can't they right. just be a part of, right. you know, it's biblically, you look at the Bible. Well, the scripture, even the, listen, the, uh, uh, all the priests were able to marry. They just had to marry virgins from their own nation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the stipulation. We always point to Peter who had a wife and had a mother-in-law in in scripture. Right. Um, We also point to several of the other apostles who, who did the same, who were somehow connected through scripture or through tradition to their spouses and families. So, you know, it is a biblical concept. Timothy, we talk about Mm -hmm. the qualifications of a church leader is to be a man of only one wife. Well, that means he's married. Right. And he has kids. Right. And so that issue right there, well, and that's so skirted. But that's so they can relate to the world, though. I mean, they can relate to the people they're ministering to. That's why it says be married and have kids. Right. Because otherwise you can't relate to them. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, So, you know, I think I mentioned it last night. Uh, I just recently found out that the person that founded our town of just outside of Rome, uh, this particular priest, was married and had three children. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And this was a so thousand why, years ago. So why wouldn't they follow that? And, um, um, I don't know. So it's, you know, all of these issues are on the surface, very hot issues right, for right, most people in Italy, right. and they've never really been dealt with right, in a right, very real way. Right, right. And so people just kind of roll their eyes, right, and right. that's what church is. Well, and not only that, but even Paul says, uh, hey, if you can't control yourself sexually, get married. Right. He doesn't say fall in love and, and be swooned off your feet. He says, if you can't control yourself sexually, yeah. get married. Yes. So the priest should be getting married. Yes, and anywhere you've seen a, a revival of God's word is what I'm going to call it. Some would call it a reformation. Right. Uh, priests would immediately get start getting married. They right. started reading their Bibles and realizing, well, look oh, what Luther is, did. Marriage is permitted. Marriage is allowed. Yeah. Uh, I think because we've ignored that, because we've pushed away from that, it's caused many of the other right. issues that Italy struggles with mm-hmm. with their church. Yeah. So, well, and if you look at Luther, uh, Luther, as soon as he found out salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and that was it. He abandoned the Catholic Church. And then, and I don't know if you know this, but he actually would send in, uh, um, they would send wine to the to the convents, right? And and then, obviously, for communion. <laughs> and then, I'm sorry. Did I ever tell you that story? I got to tell you that story sometime. Well, so what would happen is Luther said, hey, to all the nuns, you don't have to be there. You can get married. And so he smuggled them out in these wine barrels and had husbands for them, for all of them but his wife that he ended up marrying because she was re- she was really ugly. <laughs> and, and because she was because she was so ugly. Where did you find this? No, no, this, this is true. Yeah, this yeah. is true. Yeah. Because I can't remember her name, but she was ugly and he couldn't find her uh, a husband. And so one day she said, you promised me a husband. You can't find me a husband. You're it. And so he couldn't find her a husband. He marries her. Yeah. And they become best friends mm. and finished out their life serving the Lord. Serving together. the Lord together. Yeah. And and he he it's beautiful. As, uh, dude, John, I don't I know what I would do without with my that, wife. Right. I don't know what I would do without my right. wife. My wife Becky has been such an amazing. If friend. she was here, we would have her on here. Yeah, she's been yeah. such an amazing friend and yeah. partner. And prayer warrior, 
and um, leader in our ministry. She's just done so many things. I don't know what I would have done without her all these years. I also don't know what I would, how, what perspective I would come from in teaching and preaching if I didn't have kids and bills and problems and issues that everybody struggles with. It's very easy to relate and connect to people when we do things the Bible's way in the first place. Well, exactly. Because if, listen, if you're not doing it scripturally, then you, there's no way. Uh, even even in Timothy, it says, you know, if a man can't uh, keep the house of God together, yeah, how can he? Uh, or if he can't keep, keep his, his house family together, yeah, yeah, if he can't keep his house together, how can he keep the house of God? Right. Which it's means the there's first a priority. It's our first priority, and yeah. there's a direct correlation that the priests need to be married so that they understand family, the people, the nature of leading a church. Exactly. Yeah. But that's only when we open the Bible. So right. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get to that conclusion any other way. Right. So, yeah. And and. Italy don't open the Bible. No. I, I was just telling last night, you know, there was a lady that came to our office there in, uh, just outside of Rome recently, and she had lived in the United States for a large portion of her adult life. She's also Italian and is now retired in Italy. And when she came by, she said, Jonathan, what are you teaching on lately? And I said, well, we're teaching on the words of Jesus. We call them Red Letter Sundays, where we just nice. pull out the words of Jesus. And what did Jesus say? What did he mean? by it, you know? And so that's been like the last, since February, we've done that. And she asked, so are the teachings of Jesus in the Bible? See, that's crazy to me. Yeah. And you said, well, I was dumbfounded, right? Here's a, a, an affluent, educated, intelligent woman who didn't know that the teachings of Jesus are in the Bible. Right. And she works for the Vatican. No, not that one in particular, but there was another story about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So anyway, you know, that's, you got your hands full. That's the reality. Yeah. Uh, people have been discouraged from opening up their Bibles and reading them and okay. getting to know God through his own revelation. Okay. And so they've had to lean into tradition and storytelling. And so it's just created an atmosphere of misunderstanding and unclarity when it comes to the Bible. So it's real interesting. You're talking about uh, traditions and storytelling, which is exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing when Jesus... Wow warn them he's yeah. like and, and, wow. listen to all of it yeah the all of it discourse right yeah he's like you've heard it said okay now i'm going to tell you the truth right i mean because and he allowed their traditions to come in and it was conquering or dominating their society with false teachings that was pulling them away from god the dude italy's a, you just said it the same way wow yeah i'd never thought of it that term but in those terms but yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Okay, so I need to take you back because you never did land exactly on what called you to Italy. You started and I sidetracked you. <laughs> well, you know, we it, I had glaucoma and we just desired to serve the Lord, but we didn't know how we were going to do that. We needed to go somewhere where there was medicine and, you know. Um, so so did, did the door just swing wide open for Italy? No, or? no. It was always small, small windows of opportunity at a time. Okay. And at any given point, we were ready to back out. Right. You know? <laughs> but we just started walking by faith. Okay, Lord, if, right. if you want us to head toward Italy, would you please help us understand this? Or would you please open this particular window or door? And that door or window would open within a window. So, so and, you know, prayer kept doors, opening doors. 20 doors later, you look back and you're like, I think we're supposed to go to Italy. Like there's, right. you know, there's, it's just undoubt. I, I have no doubt in me now right. after looking back that, Right. So getting into Italy was not easy. Yeah. Um, we went three times. We did a round trip of 16 hours. Would drive, get a five-minute meeting with someone, and get a rejection for our paperwork to go to Italy. And we did that three times. 
And on the last time, we prayed and fasted. Right. And we asked the Lord, Lord, would you please help us? We, we don't know what we're doing wrong. Right. We, <laughs> everything felt wrong, you know. Yeah. And that day, um, we walk into the consulate, and we went to apply, and someone stepped in front of me. And I was like, you hey, rude. Yeah. I've got 15 <laughs> minutes here, and you're not going to take more than two. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have to grab you out of my yeah. way here. And, um, well, this person was from Iran. And so they asked her question, and then they went out of the way. And I was born in Iran. My parents had been missionaries there before the revolution. Right. And so when I walk up to this man, the same guy that's told me no three times, right. you know, I drive 16 hours for a five-minute no, looks at me, he grabs, uh, he says, can I please see your birth certificate? And so I handed him my birth certificate. It was the first document he wanted. And he looked at it, he goes, you were born in Iran? So here was a person from Iran just there. They walked away. Now Iran's on his mind, and I was born in Iran. And then he says, tell me more about that. I mean, this guy never wanted to know anything. Wow. It was always a yeah. five-minute, yeah. very curt rejection. So the one that got in front of you was probably an angel. But go I, ahead. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know how to yeah, interpret yeah. that. You right? know, I just know that God answered prayer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Angels so, yeah, unaware. that day, he started asking me about my experience in Iran and what was it like and, you know. And then we had a cordial conversation. All of a sudden, the stamps were flying, and we got paperwork in Italy. <laughs> Crazy. And so it's been prayer from the very right. beginning. Lord, we only right. want to do what you want us to do. It's never been easy. It's right. always been hard. Yeah, but yeah. the Lord has always continued to keep opening little doors of opportunity and windows of opportunity along the way. That just so, pulled you in. Yeah. Okay, so so here's I have a, another question for you. Language. Yeah. Dude, how long did it take? Because you actually I'm speak <laughs> amazing. Now, you're you're not as good as your daughter. Oh, man. Yeah. My yeah, <laughs> daughter grew up, you know, kindergarten. Because, yeah, right. So she, dude, they, when they hear her, they're right. like, she's from here. Right. And yeah. she looks Italian. Yeah. The, all, more Italians in Italy will hear her and say, oh, she's from Rome. Right. You know, they know her. Right. They know her accent. Cause, yeah, because the accent or the dialect is it's huge. It's fun to hear her go off with her <laughs> friends, really. It's fun to listen to her in Italian. <laughs> because she is, you said, a street Italian. Oh, yeah. She's got the Roman kind of shortened. Several words are shortened. It's kind of a punchy type of Italian. Right, right. She's got it down. Yeah. She, she really does. <laughs> it's attitude Italian. Oh, it's well, all Italian is attitude <laughs> Italian. But um, yeah. All right. So, how long did it take you and your wife Becky to learn? We're still learning the language. I wish I could say we were done, but there are levels. Right. But what you do is you you cross over levels where okay, right. now I can go out and go grocery shopping, and I can order some food, and I can not get killed you so know? so you start out knowing where the bathroom is basically and, and how to shop and, and then, then you, how to go shopping you start working up levels you go to teacher meetings where your teachers introducing new right. words i'll never forget when we heard the word chiacchirone and i was like i don't know that word you know and uh she kept using it with our daughter natalie saying your daughter's chiacchirone and i, and I went home and looked it up and it was talk chatty she was talkative. <laughs> and what the teacher had said was, we've tried sitting her by everybody in the class, and she won't stop talking. We even sat her next to the smelly boy. <laughs> the smelly boy. And she talked to him all day long. <laughs> so they were <laughs> they were exhausted with Natalie's ability to talk. At That's hilarious. But we're still learning, but... You know, hopefully by now smelly we're learning boy. at higher level. <laughs> That's what they, I knew what she said, the smelly boy part. I just didn't know that word, chiacchirone, right, 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 chatty. Right, right. And I was like, oh, Natalie's really talkative. Right, so, right. But yeah. she's always talkative. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a sweetheart, dude. Oh, I mean, all three of your kids are awesome, dude. Thanks. Um, I love uh, Kent is probably the more outrageous, but all oh, three of hilarious. you. <laughs> yeah, he's a He's a hoot. <laughs> 
<laughs> I will not say all the stories that no. you shared, but no, please don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're all three are awesome. Man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. yeah, that's that's cool. So, you know, these kids that grow up on a, in a different culture, they're called third culture kids, and a lot of our military brats and some of the missionary kids, and it's just a group of kids that grow up in a different culture and learn a different language to in order to be kids, right? In order right. to play, in order, yeah, because they're trying to survive. They're just doing life. That's yes, right. To that's have right. fun, trying to learn things, trying to meet people, and they've done that in a different culture, right? And they're amazing. You know, yeah. to us, to Becky and I, our kids are our heroes. Dude, they're solid. That's the thing. Like, yeah. like you, you have some kids that have gone through, uh, even even uh, pastors' kids, missionary kids, what you call PKs or MKs, um, become very distraught, unstable. Because let's be honest, man, the ministry is a butt kicker, man. Oh, man. It's, it's it's hard. It's hard. It, yeah, it's not for women. No matter where you do it. Yeah, it's. If there's a spiritual element to it that you can't right ignore. Yeah, and and the fact that your kids are solid, mm-hmm. not without their bumps, bruises, cuts, and scars, but they're solid, uh, dude. And that and that's that is a uh, of course we attribute that to God. We give God the yes, glory, absolutely. Um, but for parenting as well, because that meant you guys stayed focused on them as well to make sure that they were transitioning. There were so many years we felt so well. What at the time felt distracted mm-hmm. from doing what we were supposed to be doing because mm-hmm. our kids had major needs. And, yeah. you know, at the time you look back on it and you're like, I wish I would have acted so distracted because mm-hmm. really my kids mm-hmm. meant a lot to me and right. they were worth every bit of any kind of investment we made in them. But there were whole seasons of life where we had to kind of step away and fix something for mm-hmm. someone, one of our kids, to make their life a little bit easier to, to manage or, or to deal with major issues in their life. Yeah. So, but, it, but if your family's not healthy, you're not healthy. Right. Your ministry is not healthy. Right. And it's and a balancing act. Yeah. It's a huge balancing act. Right. So, uh, on the language, how long did it take you to learn? Uh, basic Italian takes about two years. You okay. know, it's a pretty, they say it's an easy language right. <laughs> and I would, I guess, agree with that. I've never had to learn anything beyond Italian, but right. it, to, to learn a language and really learn how to use it well um, takes years. You what's what's it closest to? Spanish? Yeah, it's Latin. a, a Latin-based uh, language, yeah. and so it has 40% connectivity with Spanish, and it has some con- connection with French. Okay. and well, I know French. Do you? Yeah, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> That's the extent. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead, brother. So... Yeah, it's just, you know, what does it take? 10,000 hours to become an expert at something? Wow. Um, there was a book written on that years ago, 10,000 hours to perfection, something like that. I can't remember the title of it, but um, I'd say I'm probably 5,000 5, hours in. Okay, so in, you're halfway to perfection. actual studies, to, to professionalism, to right, right. A, a place in the language where yeah. you can really handle everything that comes your way. Well, and they'll think you're from Rome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I want that. I want that punchy, right? Choppy Italian. Yeah, you want you want people to look at you and go, "Wow, uh, what street were you born on?" <laughs> exactly. That, exactly. That's what you want. I want to be an expert because then doesn't that even open up more doors for you? Yes. Uh, because they don't look at you as an outsider. Yeah. When I witness to people here in the states in English, you know, I witness without any barriers to language, and so I can witness to a doctor and talk about certain procedures mm-hmm. and, and and relate the gospel to their life and to their work, Right. or I can talk to scientists and do the same, or I can talk to teachers and do the same, and because language isn't a barrier, right. but when your language hits up at a teacher mm-hmm. level and you can't go above that, 
You're limited now. You're limited in how you can relate the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people right. that you're working with. Right. And ha- so, so that brings me to the next question. Um, what is the most difficult part of being a missionary uh, in, in Italy? Well, you know, first of all, when a lot of people hear missionary in Italy, it's like, well, yeah, sign me up. Where do I sign up for that, right? Right, right. Oh, um, yeah, because it's, it's Italy, man. That's and romantic. That in itself is one of the most difficult things right. because it's misunderstood. Italy's a beautiful place. The food is amazing. The people are intelligent, beautiful, passionate people. I love right, Italian right, people. Right, right, yeah. I married an Italian. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, my, so my grandfather, real quick, my grandfather is actually from uh, Pizzoferrato, Italy. Oh, really? His last name is Pizzoferrato. Yeah, because that's, yeah. And, and he last came. Last names are descriptive. Yeah, and he came from there yeah. over to America. Wow. That's how Italian I am. (laughs) So what I learned was the hardest part about getting to Italy from America, people's perception of, well, that's not really a place you would need to take Jesus, was also on the flip side, as soon as we got to Italy, why are you here? What are you doing here? Who gave you permission to be here? And so you you find yourself explaining yourself on this side of the pond and then going back over to that side of the pond, and now they want to know what, what who gave you the right to be here. Well, we have the proper paperwork. We mm-hmm. have a church here in Rome that sponsored us in that's Italian. We've done all the proper things legally to be here. So when they find you're a pastor, right. does that change anything? Um, They're always interested to talk to a married man with three kids who's a pastor. Okay. That, that they've never met someone like that. Right. I'm a third-generation pastor. Right. They've never met a second generation priest. Right. There's no such thing. Right. Or yeah, shouldn't be. Right. Yeah, because because you don't have kids. <laughs> a right. priest doesn't have kids. So when they meet a third generation, and they, you know, like here, anytime you go to a, hire somebody, you find out they're third generation, you're like, oh, okay, so you guys kind of probably know what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. And so I try to I make sure I let them understand that. That I have a Bible college degree, that I'm called by God. Here's so is, is education that big? Education's huge in Italy. They want Because, like, that, China is huge. Yeah. Yeah, they want to know you know what you're talking about. Right. And that you're not just, you know, making things up as you go. Right, so, right. Right. So yeah. so you're over there, um, and you tell them, look, I've got all the paperwork. I've got a church that supports me. I've got. Yeah. So, again, we you know, earlier we talked about there's the first answer you give, mm-hmm. and that was kind of my focus when we first got there. And then there's kind of what you learn through time. And what I've learned over time is um, one of the more effective things we do is pray with people. Mm-hmm. Most people in Italy powerful. Um, have never maybe uttered a very mm-hmm. personal prayer from their heart. Right. And so just going through the theology of prayer from the scriptures, again, from the Bible, mm-hmm. what rights do we have in prayer? What can we say and should say in prayer, how we can believe, how we can move forward with God in prayer. And so that's become a very important thing for us. Um, what I want people to see in my life is answered prayer. Right, right, right. I want to see, I want them to see the hand of God in my life, on my marriage, on my children. So, so when they look at you, you want them to see Jesus. I want them to see the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, because that's what moves them. Because uh, Italians are moved by experience. Right. Because the education thing, we could blow that out of the water. Mm-hmm. You, you, for some people, you don't have enough. Right. For some people, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. But, man, when you talk from your heart about the Lord in your life and how he's mm-hmm. changed your marriage and how he's changed the way you parent your children and how he's changed the way you do church and how wonderful the Lord is. Right. That's hard to argue with. Right. Yeah, because they witness it. Yeah. 
Did you? And then for them, they can't deny the goodness of God. Yeah, they they may not you know come to our church right away or anything, but they've seen a living testament of what it means to be a Christian. Right, right. And we're so, not perfect people. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. I know Christian you, people. so yeah, I would agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the first time you've been punched on your... Uh... Duke normally gets it all the time. Normally, oh, okay. I'm like, Duke, what's up? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right, so, so you're in Italy. The most difficult part about being a missionary over there is... Is explaining why we're there. When you tell people you're a Bible teacher, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard about the Bible. Uh, We use a phrase, I read an article years ago that introduced an idea, and that is most Europeans are inoculated or vaccinated against the gospel. Mm. They've been given just enough of the gospel to think they know what it's about. Right. And now it wards off any more gospel they'll ever hear. Right. Well, but, but that's also if you, even as of late, especially as of late, the Pope even said, I am not the vicar of Christ, meaning I'm not the spokesperson on earth for Christ. And then he told the church, the Catholic church, do not share Jesus Christ. Do not proselytize. Do not. I mean, all these do nots, do nots, do nots, do not share. And it's salvation is through the church alone. So then why, especially over there, then why do they need Jesus? Well, first of all, it started with the command of Jesus. So, you know, at the end of the day, I've got to look. Here, here are the Pope's words. Here's the command of Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, uh, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, and these were, these were Jesus' last words to the disciples. Right, right. Um, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. So, so make disciples is specifically is what? Faith. In Jesus Christ, and then teaching them, it, it the, right. the, the verse defines it, right, baptizing right. them in the name mm-hmm. of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Right. So the words of Jesus, right. the, 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 the 25 sermons I've done this year so far in, in Italy, come from teaching them to observe right. all the things right. I, Jesus, right. have commanded you. Right. And making disciples is literally winning them to Jesus. Right. Winning them to Jesus in faith in Christ and then how to follow Jesus, right. just so like we were his disciples. If Jesus were here on earth today, we'd be joining the pack. Right. What would it look like? We'd be following him around. Mm-hmm. Jesus, what's next? Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? Yeah. Hopefully, and that's what we'd be doing. Hopefully, that's yeah. what we're doing. Right. right. But so let me ask you this. What is their thoughts about Jesus? Like, how do they see Jesus? I would say most of the people I've talked to would tell you, I believe Jesus was a great teacher and a okay. good man. Okay. But not the son of God. Gotcha. Even though the gotcha. Bible teaches it, and even though the Roman Catholic Church would admit that and, mm-hmm. and teach it. Right. Um, right. They Well, because a, they're atheists, so they're not going to On believe. a personal level, can't believe Jesus is God. Okay, so what about Mary? Who is Mary to them? Mary is... Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the words they use, but she's venerated, she's adored, she's not worshipped is is kind of the thought that would be said. Uh, but Mary's the mother of Jesus, and so therefore might have special access to God through Jesus. Okay. Everybody's got to listen to mom, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. right. And yeah so, if you don't listen to mom, you get the spatula. <laughs> there you go. Um, unfortunately, uh, not, not, not just Mary— Right. But with any apostle or any Bible teacher, or when we exalt the opinions and our thoughts towards someone else above God, who was Jesus, we've committed idolatry. Oh, wow. And so not only is Italy full of statues of these people, mm-hmm. but 
uh, spiritual idolatry is happening all the time when we exalt anyone or their teachings over the teachings of Jesus himself, over the teachings of God and the early apostles who echoed the teachings of right. Jesus. All of the teachings of the apostles you can find right in the words of Jesus. Right. And that's why we start at the words of Jesus. Right. He, They are the echo. He is the source. So how are they responding when you, now that you guys are focusing on what Jesus said, how are they responding to learning the scriptures? It depends. Okay. <laughs> if, if the issue is, uh, if, if we're just focused on teaching scriptures, I find most of our friends in Italy are very interested in learning the scriptures, okay. reading the scriptures, but if it's about a particular subject that might even relate to the Roman Catholicism and it's against the scriptures, they're out. They're out. And when I say out, I mean complete rejection. You know, we're walking down the same street, they see us come in, they stop. They so there's around, no second chance. No. Once you've violated wow. their religious tradition, wow. Um, they're done. They're done. No grace. And, and, and I could name five people like that right now in our town. So, yeah. So, one, one, and, wow. So you're really walking. On eggshells, literally. Yeah. Because you don't it know what's going to, yeah, because you don't know what's going to offend them. Yeah. Well, all we, really, from day one, my goal is not to be political, mm -hmm. not to teach or preach anything but Jesus Christ. Right. Right. And so I want them to know Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible, not the right. Jesus of my imagination right. or your imagination right. or their. Yeah. You got to stay, you got to stay dead in the scriptures. We, read large portions of scripture often with our friends in Italy because that's our goal. That's our right. purpose. Even even if all you did from this conversation was go away with a love for the word of God, I feel like that's a success. You may have right. not believed in Jesus Christ today, right, put right. your faith and trust in it. But if you go away with a passion or a desire to mm -hmm. understand the word of God oh, yeah. more, so if, so if that's you, yeah, a win. If you, if you spark the curiosity, yes. you win. Yes. Okay, so I have a, uh, uh, another question for you. So what is... What was the hardest part or has been the hardest part for your wife in mm. Italy being a missionary? Right. Because, again, this is a whole family. Okay. Well, so, I, I mean, just imagine it for a minute. You've left your mom. Mm -hmm. You've left your girlfriends that you grew up with and went to high school with. You've left family. You've left everybody behind in order to follow Christ, mm -hmm. to obey his words in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go you there for. And now you're adopted by a new people group mm -hmm. and a new all you really want is for them to love you and right, to love right. your kids and to be friends. And they do, but it's all conditional. So now Just that makes like it even harder. any hard. other human interaction, it's always conditional, Sure, right? sure. And so for Becky, it has just been difficult over the years to, to find and stay close to godly friends, people who already have faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they've already decided, I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to follow him no matter what. Right, right. It's been hard for her to find those kinds of friends to walk through life with. Yeah, but you're also talking uh, Italy is 0.1%. Evangelical. Uh, evangelical. We're not right. talking. Yeah, yeah, so so it is going to be difficult because what Rome is over 4 million people. Right. So when you're talking what 4.2 million i think it was the number yeah uh of people in rome and you got 0.1 percent evangelical you dude you got to find them yeah and for a while she went to a ladies bible study down in rome where it was in english and she was able to connect with about 50 women oh, wow. on a weekly basis and that was very encouraging for her but she's not always had that right and so for her that's been one of the more difficult parts we raised a kid with autism mm -hmm. in italy 
So he had, you know, um, anybody who's ever raised a kid with autism, imagine raising your kid with autism in another country, in another language, and another context of understanding. Right. On top of right. his home right. culture and understanding. Yeah. Well, um, and, and the thing about him, my though, wife's a rock star. <laughs> yeah, okay, she she's is. a superhero. She really is. Yeah. And and but so is your child, uh, who that I appreciate his autism because it's just <laughs> That's it's, a good way to put it. I do. Yeah. Because he, it's, he, a, it's just a form of black and white honesty, and this is what it should be. Yeah. And and I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I love him. Dude, you gotta love most that. people are really boring. Compared to the, our, that son, he's he's a lot of fun, and all of our kids really are just have <laughs> yeah. been amazing about growing right. up in a different culture. But that's probably been one of the hardest things I, from my perspective. Right, you right. know, if Becky were here, you could ask her, and she might have a different answer. Right, right, right. But for me, it's just been friendship. You know, here we can make friends if we want to. We can stay away from people if we want mm-hmm. to. But that's our choice. Right, right. Um, when you've given up everything, you go over. There's a lot of expectation in that, and then well, when, well, to begin with, dude, you've got a lot to conquer before you can even start meeting people. Right. Yeah. So, Learning so, the language. so you're in it a few years, yeah. honestly, before you're really making deep connections. Yeah. Yeah. It takes years. Yeah. Um, it's weird, but New York is, is kind of the same way, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, unless God just brings that person where you just click Yeah, and it happens and, sure. it, and it's happened with me and I praise God for that. I've got, mm-hmm. I've got, uh, men in my church, uh, today, some that have been here from, from the, the beginning and then some that have just come in or, or the last uh, seven, eight years that have come in and dude, they've been, uh, they are a praise, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think if I didn't have these men and, and we had a servants banquet here a few weeks ago and man, I publicly thanked them Mm. because I know I can pick up the phone and just call them and they're there. But dude, when you don't have that and you're in a different country, that's hard. The Lord over the years has given us some friends that are American right. that live in Italy for the okay. same purpose. Okay. And they've been such dear friends of ours. Yeah. But they live 20, 30 minutes away. Right. It's not right. like a daily thing. Right, you right. Know? But that's okay. And here's why it's okay. Uh, when bec- you get mad, you can go away from each other. <laughs> and, I'm just and your dependence never leaves Jesus because you realize how the distance they are away. Yeah. So that's okay for me. And, and, and yeah, you're like, Hey, it's long drive. I got to go home. <laughs> see ya. Yeah. See you, buddy. Uh, I love you, but I got to go. <laughs> so, is, so what about your children? Like what was the hardest thing for your children? Do you think, you know, misunderstandings, cultural misunderstandings, uh, with a kid with autism, first of all, um, uh, do they enough, do they extend we, we, a grace to him? You know, um, he got more grace, okay. I think in Italy. Than he does here. Schools in Italy, and because they don't really love labeling there, mm-hmm. and so even to diagnose him and label him with something was almost a no-no. Uh, He's just a child who needs love. He needs some extra love. That's interesting. It's kind of how a lot of his teachers looked at it, and they loved him well. Right. And so, in some ways, he was better off in Italy, uh, and in other ways, the misunderstandings. You know, um, so all of our kids had to learn through very difficult paths how to be both Italian. And American. Right. And how to kind of, how and when to flip that switch. Right. And just kind of lean into God. So that, I think for our kids, the cultural misunderstandings, the loneliness, being away from family and friends in the United States. Right. Um, so we have taken large portions of the last several years, making sure our kids were close to those people. Well, and, well, here's the other thing too, is, is 
they come back to the United States now that they're adults. And so they're going to go to school, college, and, and they, now they got to reconnect again. Yeah. And out of sight, out of mind. Right. So when you talk about reconnect, what you're really doing is connecting. Right. In a lot of ways for the very first time with a lot of these people. Yeah, because the ones that you had friendships with before, yeah. they've moved Everybody's on. Everybody's changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, moves on. They've moved on. You know, it and, happens and quite naturally right. when we go through it right. in the States. But when you're out of it and come back to it and see right. 10 years of drifting apart all at one time, it's very shocking. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah, so you you have brought them in and you're breaking them in or help them adjust with with that. Yes, yeah, and there are some great books on helping third culture kids, and I think it's a, a big part of Becky's future ministry and her heart is to help third culture kids adapt to their culture mm-hmm. and learn how to thrive in their culture. And if there's anybody that should teach on it and can help in that, it's my it's, wife. Well, and it's someone who's lived it, and yeah. she's definitely been through the ringer yeah. with this whole. You know, all right, so here's my next question. You raise support or you have to raise support yeah. to uh, to survive over there because one thing about being in Italy, he is not allowed to get a job. Not with a, you know, we're on a religious worker's visa. Right. And uh, to, to obtain that visa, we have to prove income outside of the country. Right. That's just one, one of the four qualifications. Right. Well, so can you work there as long as you can still prove like, could you get... We're not technically legally allowed to That's work what I thought. Jobs. Okay. So we're not allowed to take money out of the system. We have to bring money from out of the system into the country. And put it in. So. Yeah, very interesting, right? Yeah. So what is it like for you or... Because uh, I know that you still... You know, because, look, COVID hit. When COVID hit, we saw a lot of churches close. Mm. We saw a lot of things happening. Yeah. And, and even as a pastor in this area we, we've seen many churches closed down in new york where we're at right. after covid so when these churches shut down if if any of them shut down that are supporting you you just lost money and it's expensive to live over there yeah. uh you said gas is what 650 a gallon we've been paying since 2008 about six dollars fifty cents yeah gallon. since 2008 right we just started getting hit uh and and robbed in the last year uh, well, since since the new resident came in, and um, <laughs> sorry, as as anyway, so since our new resident has taken taken the, yeah. the space, um, our our prices have shot up. But dude, you've been paying these prices since two thousand eight, right? Yeah, and so what about raising support? What is that looking again? Like? Remember, one of the biggest struggles is convincing people that Italy needs the gospel, and so then when you raise support, mm-hmm. they're like, I don't believe it. Not for a minute. That Italy's a mission field, that people don't read their Bibles, that they don't know how to pray, any of that. So it's almost like, oh, yeah, I want to raise money to go on a vacation too. You know, right. and it's like, goodness gracious, guys. You missed it. This is, yeah, yeah this yeah, is. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it, well, and here's vacation, what else they missed I want too. my money back. You know right. what I mean? If, if this was a vacation, right. yeah, because it's been nothing like that at all. Well, here's the thing. Vacations are wonderful. Yeah. But you get, they, to go home. you get to go home. Yeah. yeah. And you don't. Yeah, that's the other thing, you know, and that's what's interesting. You talk about Italy, uh, the Taylors are in New York City yeah. and everybody's like, you're missionaries to New York City. That, that's in America and it's New York City. It's expensive. Right? Yeah. Well, it's expensive and you have every culture in the world in New York City. Right. That's a mission field. Yeah. And they don't want to hear about Jesus either. Right. So. 
it's this preconceived idea that if you're going to this. In, in some ways, these people from other countries are more open to the gospel. And in other ways, um, once they get established in country, mm-hmm. um, they begin to form their own communities. That's their right. Own, their own churches, their own communities, their own lives. And you don't and come so in. They're not nearly as open to strangers sharing new ideas with them. Right. Um, right. Later on. Well, and my, my point to that is people come, they look at where you're living, New York City. Wow, that's big. Like, that's the biggest city. I mean, that, that is probably the, the most famous city in the world, right. let's be honest, right? And it represents the entire world. Mm. And who needs missionaries there? They, they're in America. But the truth is, it's 13 or 8 million people. Yeah. 8 million people in New York City, and the majority of them are dying and going to hell. Mm-hmm. Italy same way yeah. and but they're looking oh italy is such a beautiful place that's that's not a mission field dude it's hardcore it's lonely you get beat up it's emotional yeah. you um you have to you literally have to adjust to them for them to hear anything you got to say yeah so now you're raising support or yes. or trying to keep up support what's right. that been like over the years trying to maintain or raise support that we've lost that kind of stuff yep. yeah yeah um you know, everybody told me that it's a really hard time to raise support, but for some reason, God, when God led us back this time, he opened up a lot of doors of opportunity to meet with new people. Right. And so if everybody responded who has said they would, right, right, um, right. boy, we should go back better funded than we've been and be able to do more. You know, we're taking on some interns this year mm. and that kind of stuff. So the Lord is blessed. Nice. I don't know how and I don't know why and, and why this timing and all that kind of stuff, but the Lord is blessing and... Um, one day we may actually have as much money coming in as our budget says we need. Right. So. That'd be awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. so that leads me to, uh, the last question and we'll, we'll finish on this. Um, how can we help you? How can, uh, according to John listeners help you and, uh, what, what does that look like? Well, I, I know a lot of people are used to this answer, but I, I can't say it with enough heart and that is please pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, we need prayer. Um, the, the battle that you guys do in prayer here right. translates to victory in Italy, translates to help in Italy, translates to God's grace in Italy. And it's, well, you, you shared with us, uh, last night yeah. and you said that, um, that you, you'll you'll do things that normally takes you a week to get done. All of a sudden, you get it done that morning, and then you get an email that says, "Hey," or a text, or whatever it is that you get. Right. Uh, hey, our Sunday school class prayed for you hard this yeah. morning. And almost every major move of God we've seen in Italy. I wish I could say it's because of us and our prayers, but it's been attached to the prayer life of believers here in the United States and all over the world who pray for our ministry. So I can't say it loud enough and enough that we just need a lot of prayer um, in order to do what God's called us to do in Italy. Right. Um, another way you can help is we do have people coming to visit on uh, short-term visits, um, and we're always able to find a way um, for you to minister to us and for us to minister to you, and we want that. Right. And um, so that's one another way to connect with our ministry. And, um, and then also you can also always donate. Uh, right. We need... Uh, we were having this talk earlier today. You know, a, a man once uh, asked a missionary, uh, a pastor once asked a missionary, how much money do you need? And he said, well, how much money do you need? You know, uh, I think every godly and good ministry 
that has proven themselves to be good stewards of money can use money for all kinds of ideas and things going on in their community to grow the ministry. Right. And um, so we're always raising new support and would appreciate your support. And um, well, and, and here's the reality. The more money you guys get, yeah, the more opportunity you guys can create. We have proven that now since 2005. Yeah. We will use the money given to us mm-hmm. for the Lord in Italy mm-hmm. and we will use it in ways that help people hear about Jesus amen, and come to faith in him. Amen. All right. So let me ask you this. Uh, if someone wants to donate, because I, uh, according to John, doesn't want to be in the middle of transactions. <laughs> I, I really don't. Yeah, right. I understand. I get it. And so how can they donate to you? Like give them uh, either an address, yeah. uh, something, whatever that they can send a check to Thanks, if John. they decide. Thank you. Um, the Italy org. The Italy Initiative. Um, you can type the, all that together. .org is our website. You can find out more about our ministry there. You can also, there's a donate page uh, where you can contact us and also donate to our ministry. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask questions. Um, we are very open to questions, to accountability. Uh, we process all of our funds through Central Missionary Clearinghouse in Houston, Texas. They're a third-party organization that helps missionaries funnel money. Mm-hmm. And they take care of our taxes. They report our tax stuff and make our tax payments for us. And so they're just, um, we have a, a small board. That yeah, well, that, that's a, that's and, for accountability. Right. Absolutely. And so that's who you would actually donate to right. on behalf yeah. of John and Becky Lyles. And you can find their information um, on our website, theitalyinitiative.org. Amen. So theitalyinitiative.org. I will tell you this, um, uh, we support. John, our uh, Connecting Point Church, my church supports uh, John and Becky and their efforts. We're 100% behind them. They have proven themselves over and over. Uh, uh, John, you are a man of integrity, and your Thank wife you, is a woman of integrity. And uh, I will say that, obviously, publicly. Mm-hmm. So uh, if it's your desire to support them, uh, please do. If, if you pray about it, if God leads you to move to support them, support them. Uh, or if you need to, um, uh, if you feel God's calling you into the mission field and right. you have questions, yeah. um, they can reach you on that website, theitalyinitiative.org, correct? Yes. Yeah, and uh, our email's there also. And we typically, John will respond within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, you are uh, on it. Dude, even, you stay on it. Strangers, people yeah, we've yeah. never met. We, we're very responsive on that through yeah. that. So, amen. Yeah. Well, John, thank you for hanging thank out you. with me, thank man. You. I love it. God bless you. And uh, hey, guys, I hope that this has helped you. Uh, I hope it's been informative and entertaining, and you've learned and you get to see a little bit of a, a side of missionaries and what they go through, what that looks like. And again, please pray for the Lyles and go to the italyinitiative.org and donate or at least send them an encouraging email to let them know you're praying for them. Hey guys, I hope this has helped. And until next time, God bless.